Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun Newspapers, and Chris Cervello is our producer. Halloween is right around the corner. And what does that mean, ladies and gentlemen? That means that the football season is coming to a close. That means a lot of the fall sports are getting into the postseason tournaments. And that means it is crunch time for not only for stars against Army, but for these teams, you know, battling it out in the physical mission out there uh, to make a difference and to make some runs into the postseason. And we are here to talk about women's soccer, men's soccer, uh, women's golf with a great result, and Temple University, the fighting Colin Schofields, come down 95 on Saturday to take on Navy football, a game, Bill Wagner, that I would submit they have to win. Um, this is homecoming. Uh, it is a very critical game in the schedule for them to see whether they are going to have a successful season or maybe like a two to three win season. But Temple is really the beginning of a crucible bill where the schedule gets much harder. Uh, Notre Dame comes to town. This is your last home game. And the last two senior days have not gone very well for Navy. They lost 38 to 35 in 2021 to East Carolina. And in 2020, although it was in front of no one because of COVID, they lost 19 to six. But hey, homecoming is here. A lot of the alums are coming to town. Wags, what are your thoughts on the Temple out? Well, first of all, let's talk about senior day and let's hope that Navy can revert to its previous run on senior day. Navy won 17 straight games on senior day. And as you mentioned, that's Incredible run was snapped in the COVID year of 2020 when there are no fans in the stands. So let's hope the Navy can get back to its tradition of winning on senior day. We talked to a couple seniors this week, Kip Franklin, the offensive uh, captain and starting right tackle, and Nicholas Straw, a defensive captain and outside linebacker. And they were very, you know, reminiscent and, and emotional at talking about their times at the academy. And this senior class has been through a lot, John, and it's a small senior class. There are only 25 seniors in total, but more notable is that there are very few seniors on the depth chart or starting. In fact, there's four total starters on offense and defense. Uh, Nick Straw, as I mentioned, Kip Franklin, and the others are wide receiver Mark Walker and the other outside linebacker, John Marshall. And then the kicker, Daniel Davies, is a, is a senior as well. So that's it. That's all the seniors that are starting. And then you go further on the depth chart. There are no seniors that are number two on the depth chart, but, and there's a handful that are number three. So it's really a big hole in the program. And it was brought by COVID. It was miserable at the Naval Academy. And Kip Franklin talked to I me. Mean, it's sad when your memories of you, as you think back on your career are quarantine 
horrible quarantine meals in Bancroft Hall. Um, just that's that's what they that's what they live through. And the fact that and the, any senior who is still here is a tough sucker. That's uh, almost directly out of Coach Kenny and Matalolo's mouth. So wanted to say that first. Then I will get to your point. Navy is a two touchdown favorite against Temple. Uh, I believe I'm not sure that Navy's been favored in any game this season. Um, other than Delaware, which I don't even think that game was uh, put up on the board because it was FBS versus FCS. Yeah. But since then, Navy has not been favored. So Temple is struggling. They have an identical record to Navy, two and five, uh, but really struggling. Um, not offensively, it's been the problem, even though they've got a promising young quarterback in EJ Warner, son of Kurt Warner, NFL Hall of Famer, a Super Bowl MVP. Um, he's a promising young kid who looks like he's going to be a good one down the road, but he's only a freshman and it's a lot to put on a freshman's shoulders. And if you look at their offensive statistics, they rank low across the board in almost every division one statistic NCAA stat. So, uh, they are decent defensively. They've been fairly solid defensively, but to me, this comes down to Navy's defense has really just got to practically pitch a shutout, uh, Defensive coordinator Brian Newberry, I think that they'll get after Temple, and Temple will not run the ball. If you look, Temple ranks like 123 out of 131 in rushing offense. So you make them one-dimensional, and then you know Newberry does dials up his exotic blitzes and and aggressive formations, and gets a young quarterback confused, and maybe forces him into some mistakes. I think that's the key. And obviously, John, we want to see the offense really put it together and kind of look like it did against Tulsa. So a game very similar to Tulsa would be nice. A game in which Navy clicks on all cylinders. Cause you mentioned it. it. It is a real murderer's row from there. You go out to Cincinnati, which is having another great season. Then you come back and you play Notre Dame at M and T bank stadium in Baltimore. And then you go to central Florida. That is a tough stretch of games to close out. And Navy will not be favored in any of those, John. So this, I agree no. with you 100%, must win against Temple for sure. Well, I remember it vividly, Wags. You know, the Temple game was one of your road trips last year, and you went up to a very cavernous Lincoln financial field in Philly, a very blustery day, a team that was completely out of sorts, basically in mutiny over their uh, – over their head coach, they were losing guys to transfer and Navy went up there and obviously took care of business. But under first year head coach Stan Drayton, this is a completely different team, uh, albeit they got smoked by Central Florida. They lost 70 to 13, but I was actually up there to watch them lose to Rutgers 16-14. Uh, and that's a good Rutgers team. Uh, under Greg Schiano up there. They put up a fight. It was the first time I had ever seen EJ Warner. We were up there for my son Colin's uh, parents weekend, and I was pretty impressed. The two things that stand out to me, Wags, are these. Number one, this Temple team has a very good defense, and they get after it. Number two, EJ Warner has a very weak arm. Um, I saw him try to complete some throws um, out to the sidelines and the ball floats. And I think that gives our defense kind of an opportunity. The problem is, is that our defense is going up against a very good offensive line. That's only given up about a half sack per game. So while EJ Warner's arm is not like his father, Kurt Warner's, 
Uh, he definitely has a very good set of offensive line and making sure that he stays safe. What will give? Uh, will Busick and the rest of the boys up front be able to pressure the ball enough to cause some turnovers? Will the offense be able to come like back to where it was against Tulsa to get a win? For me, I think it's really going to be on Jose Barbone. That's the, uh, that's the senior wide receiver for EJ Warner. Uh, he has 35 catches, 484 yards. Uh, they're going to have to really watch him um, and make sure that redshirt sophomore Edward Sadie, uh, the running back, is kept in check. For me, I, I think we have a very good record against Temple, particularly lately. I think this is still a gettable team, although Stan Drayton has them on the upward trajectory. I think in the end, this is something like a 31 to 25 win for Navy, but damn wags. It really has to be a win. Um, you know, we can talk about this in later uh, podcasts, but for me, and we were talking a little bit earlier in the week, does the administration feel the pressure of this game with like a lot of retired admirals, a lot of president's club, a lot of board of trustees, a lot of people are rolling in for homecoming on Saturday. Uh, I, I wonder if the staff is starting to feel the heat because as we'll talk about later on in the podcast, this has not been the unicorns and rainbows year of last year when we only had four star losses to army. We've already lost more than that this year. Um, and now football is at this really, really critical point. So do you think there's pressure here or are we applying the pressure unnecessarily? Well, there's always pressure, John. It's a performance driven business athletics and, you know, it, it, and it's all about what have you done le- for me lately? So I'm sure athletic director, Chuck Gladchuk was thrilled with the coaches of sports who, won the star match last season. And if they didn't do it this season, he's upset with them. That's the nature of the game. And at Navy, you have to beat Army. Um, and then by the second token, football is the, you know, football floats all boats. Uh, that is the moneymaker. That's what really ultimately supports the Naval Academy Athletic Association. And uh, when football is not doing well, it's not good for business. So, you know, I have no idea what, some of the big donors are saying uh, or how they feel, but um, you know, if, if this season is not a winning one, that would be four out of five seasons that have been would Navy football's had a losing record. That's not acceptable. That is a trend. That's not just a, an aberration. That's a trend and it has to be addressed. Um, so yeah, there's always pressure, John, that's athletics. You got to perform. Um, let's just hope everything goes more on a upward direction, a positive slant. Let's hope that the next few sports that are in star matches win them. Uh, starting with football at the end of this season, got to beat Army. That's one game. You think this is a must win. That's a absolute got to win. So, you know, there's, there's, I don't, I try to look at the positive and hope for the best. So let's just hope that all Navy sports turn things around and that football in particular, because, Football carries so much uh, in terms of the old athletics department. Indeed it does, Bill. And for everyone out there, if you want a lot more analysis and the expert back and forth between EK, Keenan Reynolds, and Bill Wagner, listen to the Navy Football Podcast this week as well as they go into a deeper dive on the Temple Owls. Uh, I've got a little side bet with Colin Schofield as he's coming down on Fridays, bringing a whole crew of Temple Owls with him. We're going to be in the lily pad with former NFLer Bob Kaberski. 
uh, watching the game. And as always, we'll be bringing you a hit from the Alumni Association at around 1130. Hopefully my microphones will work this time. And then Wags and I will bring you the pregame hit uh, somewhere around 315 to 320 right before the kickoff. So a lot of cool stuff happening on Saturday. If you're coming back to town, welcome back. Swing by our uh, sponsors at Dry D5 and Red Red Wine Bar. And then look for us mostly on the blue side. Um, a couple of administrative points. Again, this is a 3.30 kickoff. Uh, the flyover uh, will be right after the national anthem. I'm going to go ahead and lay the wood on our flyovers this year, like way too high. Like I'm not asking for the kid back in like the early 2000s to fly like literally below Ackerson Tower and get his wings clipped. But hey, let's get these F-18 Super Hornets from the Rampagers uh, down in Oceana to come a little bit lower. They'll be led by Lieutenant Andy Bond. He's a class of 2016. And the wing aircraft will be piloted by Lieutenant Commander Ben Fox, class of 09. Uh, Navy will take the field at 328. Temple will follow at 329. And then kickoff will be at 332. Can't wait to be there and celebrate homecoming. What kind of weather are you going to have for this game so happy to be joined by Ava Marie of WBAL uh, TV 11 News in Baltimore. She is giving us our penultimate forecast for the 2022 Navy football season. We uh, And right now it looks like sunny weather. Um, and then our final uh, home slash neutral site game will be November 12th against Notre Dame. But first things first, Saturday against Temple, Ava. What does the forecast tell us? I think it's going to be pretty nice, kind of kind of early fall weather again. Yeah, I'm going to have to find a way to make myself more useful. I mean, what are we? This is game five at home, and we've had dry weather in the forecast. So we're thankful for that. Fans will really enjoy being out on Saturday. And it's a later game, but still before the sun goes down. So you still have some of that warmth from the sun. I'm expecting partly cloudy skies on Saturday really no chance that it's going to rain. That seems to hold off until later Sunday. So that's some good news. The humidity will be lower. It'll be a little cool. Highest temperatures in the low 60s that afternoon as the game starts. And then, of course, the sun is setting as the game is ending and will drop into the 50s. If you're out late, maybe you're getting an early start on Halloween, it'll get a lot cooler that night, even dropping into the 40s overnight. I'll be well asleep by that time. But yeah, anyone heading out late, you'll want a warmer jacket. Halloween, it's right around the corner. I'm sure <laughs> a lot of people are going to use this game to try out their very best Navy costumes, uh, see what happens there. It's been an oddly moist and wet week here in the uh, leading up to the game, but it looks like all of that will be gone. The ground might be a little bit moist, but I think everything else will be good, right? Yeah, we really luck out that this entire weekend is mostly dry because so many people are trying to get out, enjoy fall activities, maybe go out in their costumes. I know there's a lot of even early trick-or-treating happening uh, at some uh, community parking lots. Uh, so if you're celebrating Annapolis this weekend, you've got good weather for that because by Monday on Halloween, I expect us to have some more rain in the forecast. So get your costumes in, get them at the game on Saturday because you'll probably have to add an umbrella on Monday. I always say a Mary Poppins is a good costume if you, if you have to carry an umbrella, but otherwise a clear poncho over that for Monday. But yeah, good weather for this weekend. So glad for that. Well, Ava, we appreciate it as always. We'll, uh, we'll always be thankful for the good weather that we have on game days. And we wish you the very best going out for the rest of the week. Yeah, go Navy and happy Halloween. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I was Ava Marie of WBAL 11. This is Sing Second Sports. 
All right, Sing Second fans, before we get to our next segment, which is a special segment this week, we have an exclusive interview with Navy men's head basketball coach Ed DeCellis. In the last segment, John talked about the changing of the seasons. We are just days away, and you'll hear John and Coach DeCellis talk about this. We are just days away from men's and women's basketball getting underway. So get on over to NavySports.com or call 1-800-US-4-NAVY and get your basketball season tickets. The men and women had an incredible 2022 season, and we expect them to ride that momentum into the 22-23 season. So get on over, get those season tickets, and while you're on NavySports.com, be sure to get tickets for the Veterans Classic. John and Coach DeCellis talk about it in the next segment. You've heard us talk about it over the last couple weeks. We've got three great teams coming in. We've got Houston, we've got Princeton, we've got St. Joe's, and of course, your Navy midshipmen. This has become one of the coolest traditions in college basketball, and you have the chance to be there in person. So get on over to NavySports.com and get those veteran classic tickets today. And finally, as we talked about in the opening segment, this is your last chance to see the Navy midshipmen play at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium for the 2022 home football season. So you're going to want to get those tickets if you don't already have them. So go to NavySports.com or call 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Get your men's and women's basketball season tickets get those veteran classic tickets and then get that ticket for the temple game this weekend now back to the pod and our exclusive interview with men's head basketball coach ed DeCellis. hey hey ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the program it is now time for the coaches segment we love the coaches segment and as the calendar turns from october to november you know that that is the time for basketball to get started and we are so happy to be joined by navy basketball head coach ed DeCellis. he is merely eight nine maybe ten days away from the season opener at william and mary on november 7th number one coach thank you so much for joining the podcast number two how was your summer and how does the team look as you get ready for William and Mary? Summer was uh, a long time ago. I really don't remember it, uh, quite honest with you. Um, we, we had our guys got away for a few weeks. They had their summer cruises and we were able to uh, work out towards the end of July, beginning of August for a couple of weeks. Um, officially practice started at the end of September. So we've been at this thing for about two and a half weeks. Uh, I think we've made some progress, um, so that's been positive. We got a lot of work to do, that's for sure. Um, but um, you know, I think we're in good shape. I think our strength coach, Coach Spade, done a good job with them in the uh, preseason. I think we're in good shape. I think we're physically we look we look pretty good. Um, I think uh, so far, the thing I would say to you that I think we shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, we've got some younger guys. We have some guys that maybe you guys haven't seen much, didn't play a lot last year, but, um, I think we're a, a much improved perimeter shooting team, which is a good thing. Uh, we're still trying to work on being a, you know, really good defensive team and we're trying to work on being a better rebounding team. I'm, I'm not happy where we are rebounding the ball on either end, but, uh, those are things that, you know, we'll get better at as the season, you know, progresses. Yeah. So I'll let Wags go into some of the X's and O's questions, coach, but 
for me, and we just talked to some other coaches about this earlier this season, is that this senior class is the one that really went through the thick of COVID, all the ROMs, all the you can't leave your room. Um, It affected recruiting. It affected everything you did. I'll never forget you on the pod talking about how you were practicing how you were going to sit on the bench and social distance. Like, and that seems eerily long ago, but it really was not. So from, from a perspective of recruiting and coaching, because I see you and coach Davis walking recruits around games. Now you're out there on the road. How have you emerged from COVID? Um, you know, and, and, and how do you feel about this senior class and everything they've gone through leading up to this? Uh, they have a chance to really put a, a bad experience in the rear view? Yeah, that's a great question, John. I think there's a lot to it. Um, I think the two years of COVID have really challenged all of us to try to figure out what is necessary, what is needed. I, I think the first thing is recruiting, that is that we have used this, this thing that we're using today, this Zoom thing that I never even knew existed until two years ago, Google Meets, Zoom, whatever you want to, whatever platform that you would like to use. So, we, we try to connect with players rather than just calling them on the phone now like we used to. Um, you know, we'll set up. I've got some Zoom calls this, this weekend with some kids. Um, it's just nice to put a face with the voice and, and see some interaction. So we are doing that, you know, a, a great deal more than we ever have, um, which I think is positive. So instead of me getting in the car and driving several hours to meet with a family, I can do it. I, I got two scheduled on Sunday morning uh, that we can go ahead and, you know, and, and spend an hour and a half with them on Zoom and hopefully get our point across and then follow up with hopefully an unofficial visit or I go, in, I go back down to the school. But it's a good way to figure out, are these folks really interested or not? Like really you can kind of see and feel and the questions they ask, are they really interested? So I think that's been a positive outcome that we've been able to explore different communication uh, opportunities and devices to do our, to do our jobs. I think uh, as a player and as an institution, uh, I, I think we, we handled COVID as well as we can handle it. Um, it's very challenging. It's very frustrating for our guys. I, I think one of the things that I'm most concerned about is, like, you know, educationally for two years, they had to, they had to do some things quite differently. And um, how does that affect them? Um, you know, now they're back in the classroom. The expectations, I think, have risen to maybe what would be called normal. Um, you know, so that's changed. Uh, but they, you know, our senior class went through two sophomore and junior year. They was not normal for them. It was just not normal. Was not wasn't normal for anybody. So I, I'm always concerned too about their their mental state. You, you can see like um, interacting with with people again. It's it's a little different. I can tell you a story from my summer camp this year. It was completely different. Kids were starting to listen again, like the year before in camp. Kids couldn't keep their hands off each other. They couldn't follow directions. It's because they weren't in school. God bless our teachers, because they give them directions all day long. What they do, what they what they can do, what they can't do. Line up here, stand there, sit here, 
raise your hand, answer a question. And that was all gone. And so it was, it was chaotic. And I, I've always worried about our guys here too, as well. So I think this is the first year it's been normal that we're, that we're, um, that we're used to, but for these guys, you know, the normal year was their freshman year. And then we had two abnormal years or sophomore and junior years. So now they're back to what's called normal. So there is a, there is a change. There is a growth in that as well. John said I was going to talk about X's and O's. I don't know enough about X's and O's to match wits with you, but I knew, do know about Jimmy's and Joe's. So let's first talk about some guys that left because they were just really important players in this program and will go down as some of the best you've had in your tenure at Navy. John Carter Jr., Greg Summers, and Richard Njoku. How are you going to miss those fellas? Those, they brought leadership. They were playmakers, uh, just so filled up the stat sheet in a lot of ways, all three of those guys. You mentioned about rebounding. Well, that was Richard Njoku. So John Carter mm-hmm. and Summers, too. Um, yeah. So how you, can you talk about the guys you lost real fast? I know you don't like to think about that, but we should at least remember them for the good players they were. Well, they were very good players, uh, Bill, and, and, and thanks for the question, bringing those guys up. But they were also great leaders. They, they were, uh, you know, Richard Njoku was a great leader, John Carter, Greg Summers, and Christian Silva who didn't play maybe as the other, as much as the other three, but all three were, were very, um, were very good leaders. They had played a lot of minutes. They have, they, they logged into a lot of minutes. Uh, they were very selfless. They did whatever they needed to do for the team. The team was the most important thing. Uh, Richard is uh, leaving soon to go to Norfolk to, uh, to join his ship. He's a surface, um, warfare officer. And, um, and Greg and John Carter and Christian Silver are down in Quantico going through their basic school for Marine training. Um, I think their leadership is by far what, I, uh, what I'm most concerned about in terms of this coming team and, and what we, we lost because they were four guys that really grew with the program and uh, provided great leadership to, to the rest of the squad. As, uh, as basketball players, uh, you know, they were um, selfless. They were tough. They did all the things necessary to help you win games. John Carter made a big shot when he needed to. Greg Summers drove the ball, got to the rim, made his free throw when he needed to. Silva came off the bench and made a big shot when he needed to. Richard Njoka was a great defender, shot blocker, rebounder, screen setter, uh, all those things selfless that, that he had to do. So, we lost four very good players, but even better people and leaders, and uh, they will be surely missed. I miss seeing them around every day. Uh, you know, you get a, you get get to a group of those four that you coached for four years, and and they were instrumental. And the other thing I'd say to you, uh, Wags, is those four guys over four years did not have one incident at the academy. Not once did I have a call or not once did I have an email. Not once did I have to go speak on their behalf because they had a little, as I call it, foul ball in the left field. None of them. Four guys, four years, not one blemish on their record. And that, that to me is astounding because it's, some days it's challenging here and, and you, you kind of find something you probably shouldn't have done or, or didn't do or didn't say the right thing. And, 
And, uh, but those guys, uh, credit to them in four years, they, they had not one blemish on their record. Uh, and that's a credit to them as well. Well, that's really important because you talk about leadership and it's on the court, it's in the, it's, uh, in the locker room, but even more important, it's on the yard and showing these younger guys the way it's supposed to do- be done. I mean, John Schofield was a commander and, and he had little boo-boos. Uh, he got in trouble for it. Isn't that right, John? Oh, without question, Wags, I, uh, I I definitely got fried for majors on the regular as a commander, which is not regular. That's a, <laughs> not a normal thing. Well, yeah, so Schofield had- probably hit a couple fly balls into left field, uh, you know, foul balls, I- I'm sure. And um, That's my specialty, you know, it's, coach. It's easy <laughs> to do here. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to do. Um, but those four guys have never done it, so I'm very, very proud of them. Well, let's talk about building blocks. Uh, Tyler Nelson started 31 of 32 games, had a pretty good season, uh, really blossomed. And I'm frankly, I think there's more to come from him. I mean, I think Tyler Nelson is a guy with pro ability. I really do. I mean, I don't know if he'd ever get the chance, but I know Tyler Nelson has the athleticism to play overseas if he wanted. So I think there's more to come out of him. Daniel Deaver is a guy that's been around a long time, started 10 times last season. And Sean Yoder, started 31 of 32 games, and then you got Austin Inge and, you know, Jalen Walker are guys that have played a lot. So you got some building blocks. You want to talk about some of the guys that are coming back that need to be your leaders? Yeah, well, I think that um, Tyler's had a really good, um, you know, uh, fall camp um, practice session. He's had a pretty good practice session. He's been pretty consistent on his, um, on his effort, on his energy level. Uh, which is the thing I've asked him to concentrate on. I think he's, uh, you know, he's continued to work on his perimeter shot. He shoots the ball pretty well, uh, trying to get him to drive the ball and play off at two feet, trying to, to be the, a great offensive rebounder. Uh, every day, if, uh, if I don't, you know, at the end of practice, how many rebounds you get today? And he'll tell me, and I'll say, well, I'll go watch the film tomorrow morning and see. But that's something I want him to become, both offensively and defensively. He's an athletic guy. He's very strong. He has a pretty good nose for the ball. And so I want him to become a great rebounder. And um, he, he, needs to, he needs to, you know, I'm counting on him to increase his production, whatever that may be. But he was about a nine or ten point game a guy last year. I think, him, I think he can be better scoring the ball. I think he can be better rebounding the ball and I think he could be better defensively uh which is really positive Dave is um Dave's been solid I want more out of him you know I, I I'm a hard grader Bill um I want more out of him I want him to be better rebounding I want him to be uh, uh sometimes you know he he tries to uh, you know make really really hard passes I want him to make easy plays he's done that for the most part, I've tried to emphasize that through watching video with him, uh, making easy plays. You know, Bill, I, I, some guys um, don't understand this is basketball. You, you get two points for putting the ball in the basket or if you get a three, if you go behind the line. It's not gymnastics. There are no points for style. It either goes into the basket or it doesn't go in, and that's how you score. It doesn't matter all the stuff you do to get it to the basket. It's got to go in. And so um, I've tried to have him simplify his game. 
He had too many turnovers, I thought, last year. He turned the ball over. didn't finish around the basket like I wanted him to. So that's been my concentration point with him. I think Yoder has been uh, solid. I think he's made some shots for us this year again. Um, I, I want him to still, to still be a great defender. I'm trying to get him to offensive rebound the ball. He's a strong guy, and I want him to offense the re- offensive rebound the ball. Uh, I think that's important. Um, and so I'm after him kind of to get on him about, you know, that that's one area I think he can improve on. Austin Inch had toe surgery in the off season and end of April, May. He is, um, just getting, uh, he's just starting to go full speed, probably about maybe a week ago, 10 days ago. Pat Dorsey had a uh, off season, uh, knee surgery as well. He didn't finish up the season. He was injured. He had knee surgery. He is just starting to get back on the court full speed. Um, uh, we had two great, two surgeries, both recovered really well. Dr. Waltz, uh, Dr. Keblish did a great job. Uh, Josh, our trainer, has done a great job of rehabbing them. They've worked really hard, Austin and Pat Dorsey. So I'm, I'm hoping that they can gain um, – you know, re- regain their, 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 their game and their skill level, you know, basketball sort of like your golf game, Bill, if you don't play it all the time, your, your skill level starts to deteriorate and they weren't able to do anything all spring, all summer into the fall. Uh, we were very careful with them. So I'm hoping that those guys will continue to get themselves in better shape, better condition, basketball shape. I mean, they rode the bike and they swam and, you know, we, we can do all that kind of stuff. But basketball shape with the ball in your hand is something completely, completely different. And, um, you know, Coach Paterno used to tell me all the time, football is checkers, basketball is chess. The guys have to be able to do everything in basketball. you got to be able to, you know, score the ball, shoot the ball, defend, pass, rebound, you, you know, run the floor. you got to be able to do it all. And so those skills can deteriorate pretty quickly. And so I think both guys are starting to get that back. Well, I'm sorry to hear about Inge and Dorsey because they've battled injuries uh, throughout their careers. I, I hope they can come back and be productive this season because they're both good players. Last but not least, Coach, I will ask you, um, I see a lot of plebes on the roster, and I know you know it, it's hard to just blend right in in college basketball, and sometimes they need some time on the developmental squad. But yeah. do you feel – you have any freshmen, incoming freshmen, that might be able to contribute this season? Well, yeah, I, I think uh, that's another great question. Um, I think we've got a few kids and, and a few guys that you you guys didn't get a chance to see last year as well, who are sophomores. So, you know, I think in the sophomore uh, the sophomore group. Uh, uh, Lai Reinstrom is is uh, is at a better year this year than he did last year. He was a freshman, didn't play much at all. He's playing better this year for us. Cam Summers, Greg's brother, is uh, really shooting the ball well. Long kid, athletic, can really defend it. And Mac McDonald is the other sophomore that's really, uh, I think, has had a, a solid, uh, you know, ten, two weeks of practice so far. So those three sophomores – you didn't see last year, I think they um, – and also Mitch Fisher. You didn't see him last year, big 6'8 guy from up the road in Baltimore, and, and he has had a pretty good um, 
preseason practice, and he's played well at times for us as well. So we got those four. And then the freshman, Aiden Kehoe from uh, New Jersey, a direct kid, 6'11 kid, getting better. Uh, don't know when you'll see him, but you, you will see him somewhere along the way. Austin Benini, a point guard from Houston, was the starting point guard on the uh, Houston Hoops EYBL circuit, very high-level AAU team. Uh, he's played point guard for us. He played really well in a scrimmage the other day against FDU. Uh, that's positive. And then I think there's a young guy that, that naps. we got a couple guys from naps, Mike Woods, local guy who's uh, – who's really starting to, to figure things out. He's done, he's done pretty well for us. And, um, you know, the other young guy, Cam Cormany, and another Naps kids really shoots the ball well. So we, we've got some young guys who, who, who can really shoot, who can really score, who I'm really excited about. Whether you'll see them early or not, I don't know. But somewhere along the way, they're, 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 they're starting to poke their heads up. And I think you will see them before the season's all over. Well, Coach, uh, we know that the early season matchups will be an opportunity for you to test out these new lineups and, and, and see what you're working with here. Uh, like I said at the opening, you start with William & Mary on the 7th, and then you have the Veterans Classic, something that we love to talk about. Um, I've talked about it at length, how special it was for me to be a part of the first one of those uh, this year, you bring back former coach Billy Lang. You bring in a top five <laughs> team. I think they're number three uh, in Houston, in the Houston Cougars, and then uh, the Princeton Tigers. And you get to match up with the Princeton Tigers. This will be, I think, their first game after uh, legendary coach Pete Carrill died in the summer. Um, yeah, a hero of mine as I was watching them upset UCLA in the mid-90s. But a lot of change in college basketball this year. Coach Jay Wright stepping down, no more Coach K, Pete Carrill dying in the offseason. Um, yeah, it, reflect on that as you, as you get to play Princeton and the famous backdoor cut offense on, um, on November 11th for the Veterans Classic. And, and what, what all of these luminaries of the sport leaving means to you? Yeah, that's a good question, John. Um, well, I guess it's, I'm getting older because um, I remember going to clinics to watch Coach Coach Carrell, um, one of my former players that I recruited and was an assistant here for me, Dan Earl. His brother Brian Earl played for Coach Carrell, and so you know I, I've heard all the stories and and so forth. Um, you know his passing is just you know it's just uh, it's really sad for college basketball. Uh, one of the great minds in the game. Um, you know, the, the other the other guys are retiring. Uh, you know, Coach Williams retired the year before, and now Mike retires, and, and um, you know, Jay Wright retires. It, it's just a changing of the guard. There'll be other guys that come up and pop their head up. Um, but, you know, I talked to my colleagues, and, 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 and it has changed. Um, you know, and, and everything changes. Nothing stays the same. Uh, recruiting has changed. The way we cover the summer has changed. Uh, back in the back in the day, we went to five star camps. We sat out all day outside. We had a lot of camaraderie. Uh, you, you shared a lot of information, so forth. It's become more of a 
more of a secular closed kind of situation now. Like guys just don't see each other as much on the road, the way recruiting is structured. You're always running from one place to the next. You don't get the camaraderie like we used to. Um, but that's just, that's just the way it is. I think college basketball has changed forever uh, with the transfer portal, with the uh, name like uh, name an image, and NLI stuff, and, and the money that's um, being floated around now, that, that, is, that has changed. I don't know how you're going to put the toothpaste back in the tube now that that's, that's out there and that's gone and that's part of, part of the college athletics. I don't think it's for the best, but they, they no one asked me. Um, so it, it has changed, but what other guys popped their heads up? I, I had Bruce Weber was here uh, two weeks ago, coach at Illinois, who I battled several years ago in the Big Ten in Kansas State. He came in and spent three days with us. And, you know, we had a chance to watch our, our practice a couple of days and watch tape and meet with the staff and, and him and I went to dinner the other night when he was here and, and, and talked about what you just mentioned about how things have changed, camaraderie. I've known Bruce for, oh, my God, 30 years, 32 years maybe. We were assistants. I was assistant at Penn State. He was assistant for Coach Katie in Purdue. And we met a friendship on the road and been friends ever since. Uh, I don't know how much that happens anymore. Uh, you know, when he'd come to State College to – to play a game in Illinois, brought his Illinois team, we would grab lunch or grab dinner, or a cup of coffee and share some moments in the office or whatever. I don't know if that happens anymore. Same thing, you know, him and I and Coach Izzo signed our assistants all at the same time. And, and you know, we, and that's what we did. Uh, if we went on the road recruiting, if I was going to Detroit, I'd let Bruce know and then he would get the car. I would get the hotel room. You know, and, and we would meet and go to an event together and Izzo would meet us there and we'd make him buy dinner. Um, you know, well, that's the way it was. Like, it's just not that you just don't have that anymore. And I don't know why. I think it's just um, the way I think it's recruiting and, and how we're always moving from one spot to the next. Uh, but things change. And um you know, there'll be, there'll be new great coaches. Jay Wright was a great coach. And, you know, Coach K, obviously, record speaks for himself. But there'll be other guys that poke their heads up and, and do wonderful things. And, and I think that's, you know, good for the sport. Um, but they will all certainly be missed. And, um, you know, I was watching some videos yesterday. It was Coach Knight's birthday. And I was watching some videos that some people had posted you know, regarding Coach Knight, and I don't know if you've ever seen the one about motivation and and playing time and and guys yep. on the bench, but it was it's, it was pretty funny. Um, but you know, I remember when Coach Knight came to State College, and I was there at Penn State, and we visited and listened to him talk. And my wife, we were reminiscing about that yesterday on his birthday. She goes, "Remember when Coach Knight came and came to the office, and we sat there for hours and just listened to him and and talk." And I and I just like you know. John, I'm just very fortunate. I'm a very fortunate guy. It's a small guy or a guy from a small town in Western PA who had the ability to sit down with Coach Knight in my office and my wife and tell stories and uh, had the ability to, to you, know, you know, have a relationship with Coach Williams and, and, and Coach Krzyzewski and 
and, and Jay Wright, you know, somewhat like I, I'm just very lucky. Coach Paterno, who I knew really well and spent time with, and my good best friend of all time, Skip Prosser. So I'm a very lucky man to have the relationships that I've been able to have with uh, some wonderful, not only coaches, but just wonderful men uh, in this profession. Well, Coach, amidst all of that change, I do know one thing stays the same is that you are definitely a part of the process of making these young men leaders of character. Um, My son came home from your camp this summer and couldn't talk enough about what a great dude Tyler Nelson was and basically said, Tyler Nelson is who I want to be. So I know that all these young men, no matter what's going on on the basketball court, are going out there and representing the Navy Uh, and your basketball program well. So as we kick off another season, and we'll bring you a lot of in-depth coverage of the upcoming Veterans Classic, ladies and gentlemen. But as we kick off the season, Coach, thank you for what you do. And we look forward to talking to you more about the success of the team. Thanks, John. Thank you very much for having me on. Bill, have a good day. See you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Ed DeCellis of Navy Basketball. We are going to go to break. When we come back, Wags and I will talk to you about a great result for Navy women's soccer. This is Sing Second Sports. This podcast and all of our efforts to support it are not possible without the support of our sponsor. First and foremost, thank you to Scott Shooter, realtor and crew in Annapolis. Scott is the best of the best in Annapolis if you need a home. If you're PCSing to or from Annapolis, Scott is your man. Thank you to Academy Securities and Navy football alum Phil McConkie. Speaking of football alums, thank you to Tom Lynch and New Day USA Mortgage. If you're a veteran in need of a mortgage, you should be using New Day USA, period. Thank you to Scott Melamed and ProMD Health. Do you have crow's feet? Has your skin aged because of the sun exposure Ava Marie and I were talking about earlier in this podcast? ProMD Health in Annapolis has you covered. And thank you so much to Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis. We are entering football season, so if you need a drink, before your reunion. If you need to check out the best burger in Annapolis, if you'd like just a great glass of wine before you head out on the town, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar on Main Street in Annapolis are your places to hit. And now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Wags, let's take this baby out. Great conversation with Ed DeCella. Sorry about the length of it, ladies and gentlemen, but I'll tell you what, if I can talk to a legendary coach for 30 minutes, and get his perspective as we're kicking off another basketball season so that you have the information you need to be a great fan for this team, we're going to go ahead and do it. So thanks to Coach for making the extra time. Really, really interesting look into that squad. Let's talk about what a wonderful night last night was. Navy women's soccer needed a win. Plain and simple. They could have snuck in with like a tie and Colgate losing. Um, They could have snuck in if they both tied, but if Colgate won and Colgate was playing a very beatable Holy Cross team last night, uh, Navy needed to win too. Sure enough, Navy got a win, Loyola lost, and all of a sudden, Karen Guevara's ladies are the number five seed in the Patriot League tournament. They play Lehigh on Sunday. They got a great goal from Mimi Abisham, which I couldn't really tell if she mishit it, but it kind of floated over the goalie, but Wags. That wasn't the real story. The story for women's soccer last night was between the pipes. Maddie Gallagher, what a performance for her. Ten saves. That was the career best. She was absolutely terrific. And that's, you know, what Navy's needed. I mean, they've spent a lot of time defending in their own zone, have not been able to build the attack 
the way that Karen likes to. And so that was a huge performance by the junior from Gilbertsville, Pennsylvania, Maddie Gallagher. And I tell you what, you know how it is in the postseason, John, a hot goalie. You think about the NHL, you get a hot goalie like Maddie Gallagher and she can lead you places. And kind of here's my takeaway from this. Whatever's happened in the regular season, over. It's a blank slate now. You're going into the Patriot League tournament. It's a new, totally new season. You're 0-0. And your last memory is a very, very determined and impressive victory. I want to see Navy build on this. I think they can make a run through the tournament. We know they have the talent. And uh, I hope that they can build off this big victory that propels them into the tournament. And, uh, you know, I take note of uh, – Multiple freshmen contributing. You mentioned Mimi, who had the go-ahead goal in the 62nd minute, but also Isabella Romano. Uh, she had the registered the first shot, uh, a real ripper. And, you know, so maybe Karen's decided that maybe we'll try some of these freshmen and see what they can do. Uh, I don't know if they've been playing all season or if their playing time is increasing here as we go down the stretch. But, you know, uh, I give the coaching staff credit and, you know, try out everybody and see who's going to perform. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wags, uh, Isabella got on the, the scoring sheet against Delaware State. You're right. She's been logging a lot more minutes. I liked, really liked the energy. Um, but Maddie Gallagher was absolutely unbelievable between the pipes. The 10 saves, a lot of them are routine, but there are some of them that were absolute game changers, including one with like three minutes left. That was not, not easy at all. All the credit in the world to Lafayette. They were out of the Patriot League tournament anyway. They could have just let themselves be walked over. They pressed and pressed hard. And that's what's great about sports. So now, Wags, the opportunity for Karen and the ladies is to exact some revenge after a loss up in Bethlehem to Lehigh on October 7th. They get to go back up there and try to beat them. And if they do, they would be in line, depending on how the other uh, quarterfinal goes to play Bucknell, a team that they already beat this season. And then, holy smokes, I hate to do it, but you've got to give credit to Army West Point. They're the number one seed in the Patriot League tournament. They had a great year. They won the star. Uh, but really, all that matters is play them, play whoever. As long as they get to the uh, to the Patriot League final, I like our chances. Congrats to Karen. They have made 12 straight Patriot League tournaments. That is so much credit to her abilities. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Please listen to the Navy football podcast this week with Wags, EK, and Keenan. We will talk to you next week. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segment.